Hi, and welcome to Through the Human Geography Lens, a podcast brought to you by the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, or WWHGD. I'm Terry Ryan. And I'm Gwyneth Holt. And today we're here in the studio with Elizabeth Lyon, currently the Deputy Director for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency Support Team at US AFRICOM. Many of you may know Liz for her passion for all things geography, including a beautiful collection of mapping attire that makes her easy to spot at geospatial conferences. Today, Liz shares a bit about her current role, gives us a great education on human geography, shares some of her favorite WWHD events and memories, and then gives us a peek into what's next in our version of Where in the World is Elizabeth Lyon? Liz, it's been too long. It's great to have you on the show. So happy to be here. Clearly, we should all be wearing map attire, perhaps having um, some beverages in our hand across our time zones, choosing and connecting with one another. I couldn't agree more. So we have you in the studio today. Can you tell us a little bit about your role as the deputy director? Oh, so this is a fun job for me. Um, A first for me at NGA is, uh, first of all, getting to be a supervisor. Um, And that's been a new change and really wonderful because um, over in Germany, the first part of my job is taking care of our people who are over here working for us um, and uh, ensuring that they've got all that they need. The second part of my job is certainly to represent what it means to do GeoInt um, and to can make connections to AFRICOM about the, the breadth and depth of what is in the world of geography and in GeoInt. This is not my first time at AFRICOM, so it's great to be back um, and to engage at this uh, time and to say, hey, here's just the, the opportunities that really just grow and uh, where we have the ability to plug in different uh, data, technology, humans, analysis, uh, connections to different partnerships, whatsoever. Um, and that's really like led, leads to like that third part for me is identifying and pursuing different opportunities. So figuring out where we can make connections. So For a long time, and we've said this, uh, there's just a lot of the world that's not mapped. And perhaps one of the biggest places that's not mapped is Africa. And I think you see that whenever we do uh, humanitarian assistance activities, uh, State Department has done this for a long time with us in the WWHGD, is how do we bring awareness to what needs to be mapped and open and sharing because there's some real things that are happening from climate change to population, people who just don't have access to clean water, um, to growth of this world, um, to the environment changing, all of those things. So uh, the best part of my job is taking care of people, but then also getting to make connections between uh, the world of geospatial and the world of the mission that comes at play in Africa. So with all reverence to your position, you live and work in Germany. So is part of your leadership and management, um, I guess, repertoire to make sure that your staff knows where the Volks marches are and the beer festivals? Because I think that's there's a geographic component to that too. You know, absolutely. Um, and <laughs> this is one of those things like when you are a geographer living in a different place, uh, I encourage every single person who works with me um, who is not from Germany to take a moment and say, well, what is important about Germany? Um, How do I understand this place? How do I build knowledge about this place? 
So for those who are not familiar with what a Volksmarsch is, uh, Volksmarsch is the very common activity that happens pretty much every single weekend where you walk outside of your house and you go for a long walk. And then sometimes you pause at a view. And at that view, you may imbibe in a beverage or have a tea or a coffee or you just might drink water. And then you continue walking. And then you continue walking some more. And then you may pause again. And then eventually you go back home. And that is your day. That is the Volksmarsch. Um, sometimes there's more stories involved. And then, of course, now that COVID has finally shifted in Deutschland, uh, the beer festivals, the wine festivals, the fish festival um, are back in uh, grand favor. I love it. Well, you talk a lot about community on those. You know, make great community on Volksmarches. Um, but also while you've been over in Stuttgart, before you took this position, you were the senior geoint authority for geography and cartography. And so in that role, you spent a few years leading human geography efforts. And you mentioned a couple things related to human geography in your first answer. So would you explain human geography to someone who might not have a depth of knowledge in this area? Yeah, so I got to answer this question yesterday when I was talking to uh, the historian at AFRICOM. And we were talking about how uh, different um, uh, histories from different cultures, different places, all actually really play into how um, U.S. strategy and international strategy is happening right now across uh, Africa and, frankly, across the world. History matters, and it is destined to repeat itself. So we were talking about, uh, well, what's geography? What's a geographer? What's the term human geographer? And so my, my short and pithy statement is uh, human geography is knowing, it's understanding the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, and the how of people on this earth. It's what it is. Um, sometimes I also used to use the phrase when I would explain it to my grandmother, um, I don't actually think she understood this, is I would say, well, I play SimCity in real life. Um, to be fair, I don't actually know that my grandmother was ever on a computer. Um, so that's did she know not, what SimCity was? <laughs> no, I don't actually think that she did know what SimCity was. Um, however, uh, that is also the other relatable way of explaining it is, well, what all, or maybe risk. I mean, also my grandmother never played risk. Yeah. However, it's also this, well, what's happening on this earth across all sorts of different dimensions? Um, how do you tell those stories? And then how do you relate them to what you know? Which is the who, what, where, when, and why, and how. Yeah. So that sounds simple and easy at the same time. I guess it makes me want to know, why is it so hard to map? Well, that would involve a very in-depth question and answer session about data structures. <laughs> and the history of cartography, and also humanity. And why it's so hard to map? Well, that's simple on that one is partly because we're human. And so we all have different opinions. And so we disagree about things. And then if we go to computer things, well, then it gets a little tricky because it's hard because humans are dynamic and they, and they make different opinions and they're not rational. And so how do you put your rational into a computer? Yeah. I don't actually know. I mean, I'm sure somebody far smarter than I do, I, I am knows, but in our world of mapping where we like to have ones and zeros sometimes, and we like to draw a boundary and say, 
this is absolute. The reality of it is, is that boundary is an absolute. Yeah. So how do you depict what you, you live vice what is put onto a map? And I'll be honest, I just got excited thinking that you could explain this to um, my grandmother. <laughs> so I was like, whatever, you're, let me write this down. But I don't think she's ever played SimCity there. <laughs> I was going to say, SimCity is not the best example to use when explaining to your grandmother. It is a really well, good example when you're trying to explain human geography to a fifth grader. Yeah, absolutely. So in your SGA role uh, that Gwyneth previously mentioned, you led the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group. Um, which is when we really got our opportunity to work with you. But even before that, 10 years ago, you were part of that founding group of members um, that you know started looking at what should the vision and mission and objectives of the WWHD be. Um, so can you describe what this working group means to you and how you see it benefiting human geography? You know, I remember our first meeting. Um, I don't know if you all remember our first meeting. I'm sure you do um, because it was pretty spectacular. Uh, it was at the U.S. Geological Survey. Mm-hmm. At least that's the one that I remember. Um, and we were in Ruston. And at the time, I was still working for the, the Corps of Engineers. And we were coming into a group together. And this was coming off of a time where... Uh, we as a community were uh, differentiating between human geography as a uh, academic discipline, uh, military and intelligence applications, and foundational data. And and what were some of the terms? And how how did we reconcile some of that? And we were all in a big room together. I'm pretty confident that there was uh, a lot of uh, big white, uh, the big um, uh, notepads that you could flip off and you could yep. and, and place all over the, the room. And our tenant from that one, which was interesting was, well, we need to create a taxonomy because we knew that we were about data. That was the space that was the gap that we were missing because we were talking as a community about a whole bunch of things but we really didn't understand data and we didn't really understand what was all of the things that were at play that when it came down to information. And we were also building off of, and this word's going to come up a lot, um, off of a a community model um, from the natural disaster, um, humanitarian assistance, uh, mostly tied towards the United States communities and saying, hey, what we really need is we need to share information with each other and not just like end state notes or anything like that. We actually need to get back at the beginning because there's some like key pieces of information like this bridge is gone and that bridge is important and we need to capture that or when we're in a disaster. So moving back to the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, which um I would like to know, I don't think I ever was a part of naming this group, um, <laughs> but I was a part of No one wants to take ownership for that. That acronym is hard. But I, but I was a part of giving it its acronym name, which I like to call the Widowig. Um, and so the really beginning of all of this was, okay, community, that's, that's what the strength is. Um, and then we're going to fast forward a couple of years, you know, I participated, I was, I was, I was joining meetings. I was, uh, definitely inserting myself into conversations and, and, and bringing thoughts and ideas and, 
um, you know, saying, hey, it's, this, is, this is a unique thing here. Um, and this is why it was unique, is, is I knew in my role in uh, the government and being a steward of the government is that I don't have all of the answers. I have some. I'm not, I'm not going to diminish that I haven't invested in the craft of geography. Um, and I have some resources, but I don't have all of them. And the breadth and depth of what we have questions about and what we need to understand in order to support humanitarian assistance, in order to support disaster relief, in order to support um, hardships, in order to strengthen um, positivity across the world. I mean, that that's a community thing. So um, what that really needed was to, to create a space of trust and to create a space of, of respect. And so that's I mean, why I continue to participate. And then when I got to have the, the job and, and not just job, but the honor of getting a co-lead, like how awesome is that, that I got a co-lead with, with my mentor, uh, the geographer of the United States um, and a friend, um, but uh, also beyond that to also shape this community and say, hey, um, you know, where we started is, is where we are today. How do we keep evolving? and How do we keep growing? Um, and, and what it really is, is that the strength of the community and building trust and building respect and, and creating opportunities for people to share data. Um, and we share data because we trust in each other to use that information. Um, and, uh, we also trust in each other because we deliver. And so the, the core of the WWHGD, the, the Widowig, um, was to really build that. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome to, to be at it. I can't believe it was 10 years ago because it actually, I hate to say this, it feels longer than that. <laughs> um, but because uh, I've always felt that this has been like a part of my my world since the beginning of, of government. But uh, I, I guess it has been 10 years. And now here we are yeah. doing a podcast. Yeah. So over those 10 years, what, what's been your favorite event? Mm. So besides uh, the... Uh, the paper notepad session, the first one, which really brought together a great group of people um, and fun legacy moment. I, I need to give a shout out to, to a brilliant, brilliant human being, Eric Rasmussen, because he facilitated my session. And I do miss being able to talk with that human and having and sharing ideas. Um, I think one of my other favorite all-time events was we were looking at different ways to partner with different organizations because it shouldn't have always been a U.S. government agency that was um, leading a conversation. The Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, I'm going to say this word, is about community. And so is who also has different voices in this. And so we partnered with Columbia University. And we were asking some pretty hard questions about how do you map boundaries? And going back to well, what does it mean to be a human geographer? Well, boundaries is at the very fundamental of of being a human geographer like they're they're drawn whether they are drawn in, intrinsically whether they're drawn explicitly whether they are drawn for purpose whether they are drawn because you just want to draw a line or a squiggly line it doesn't really matter what shape it is um so boundaries and are are they are they the same for everybody the answer is no they're not so we wanted to explore that and and that was actually a really hard question because in some ways, when you draw a boundary on a map, it's easy. You draw a line. Um, when you code that into a computer program, it actually is very binary. It's, it's a line. It's a polygon. 
but it means a whole lot more to that. And how, how did we start to expand that thought process? And so we had that event with Columbia University. It was, it was probably pretty hard because in some ways the question was esoteric um, when it also was trying to get at something that was very uh, uh, defined because we always think of boundaries as you, you draw a line. Um, you make it a one or a zero. You make it an in or an out. You make it on that side of the tracks or the other side of the tracks. But why I really liked that event was because we asked some really hard questions. And then as a community, I think we learned that we still have a lot of really hard questions to ask. And it's also okay that we don't have all of the answers. I think what's important is that we were asking the questions and we were showing transparency with asking those questions. And and that's why we did it. Also, uh, whatever hotel that we ended up staying at and hosting that <laughs> event at was uh, uh, used as a filming set for what was that? What was what were they filming? It was some um, the black the blacklist. It was so spectacularly bizarre. Uh, I don't think I've been in the hotel that has been so empty and maintained all of its 1970s character because it used to be the IBM training facility. Oh, that's right. Uh, that was never used as the IBM training facility, or it was for like a moment, but it has a helipad. And it's like one of those like Atlas Obscura, like if you're going to put a place on a map to like go visit in Atlas Obscura, that would be the hotel in yeah. like the New York Palisades because it was bizarre and fantastic. Everybody needs to go there. It was really wild. I remember you and I went exploring and we found this like dining room that was huge and Every table was set, all the linens, all the glasses. And I remember you and I went to like the far corner and like looked to see if there was dust on the table because we're like, who who eats here? Like there's literally no one around here. This hotel looks like it's been untouched for 40 years, but there was no dust. Like something was going on there that we were not privy to. And I think that's what made it so mysterious and it, I, it was really fun. Yeah. It was spectacular. Yeah. Although I was really happy we were just there for a social and I wasn't actually spending the night there. (laughs) (laughs) That made me a little nervous. (laughs) Well, maybe we can go back to another event there and uh, spend the night next time, right? (laughs) I'm all in. I'm bunking with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That was such a great event. That was so good, though. So Liz, when did your passion for geography start? Because I mean, I, I've always felt it when you would speak about geography and I'd love to learn a bit, little bit more about the history. Okay, so there, this is an easy one. There's three, three things. One, uh, number one, having the Rand McNally Atlas in the back of my parents' car on road trips because that's what would happen. We didn't travel a lot. We had the Rand McNally Atlas. Let me tell you what happens when you get bored on long car rides is you start flipping through the Atlas and you're like, oh, you know what we're really close to? Laura Ingalls Wilder childhood home. We should go there. I would like to know. I've how was I it? I don't know. My aunt, I've never been. My aunt wants to go. I've never been. Oh, you didn't go? No, I pointed it out, but I got vetoed. I wasn't allowed to go. So it's on my like number one road trip like goal to uh, get to go mm-hmm. to. The second thing is uh, my mom. Uh, she would pick us up from school or she would be driving us from, from point A to point B. And uh, 
this is not a Southern bless her heart. This is truly like bless her heart. Um, what she would do is she would tell the stories. I, I grew up in the same town that my mom grew up in. Uh, actually, my dad too. And my grandfather was one of the milk truck drivers in, in our town. They had a small farm on the north side of town. And uh, my mom would drive us around town and would tell all of the stories about the different places around our town. So she was telling the story about our place. And so I was always learning about that. So she would do that. And I resonated with that. And I carry those stories and I tell them to this day. And in fact, I get too wordy when I tell stories about places. Um, And then the other thing that she would do, she would pick us up and she would challenge us to figure out where we should go. And so she would play this game that was called straight left or right whenever we hit an intersection. Um, At times, it's nerve wracking because it depends on (laughs) whether or not you really want to get to where you need to go next. Um, or not. Um, and she put the decision into our hands, like straight left or right. Are we going home or are we going somewhere else? Um, and she had a mantra, which uh, I really appreciated, which was uh, all paths lead to small roads or dead ends, uh, ideally a small road. And if you hit a small road, you'll get to a larger road and a larger road will get you to a stoplight and a stoplight will eventually get you to a town and you're good. Um, and so that was always like a phrase that I've frankly carried forward of how to get lost. Um, and, and the third was, uh, I was in Ms. McConnell's seventh grade geography class in Lincoln International School in Kampala, Uganda, because as kids growing up in the United States in the, in the eighties and the nineties, we didn't get access to geography classes, but you did if you were living overseas. Um, she was notorious for and I say that positively for keeping me in from extracurricular activities to make certain that I would fix my geography workbooks because they were a mess and they needed to be organized. None of this should be a surprise to any of you. Um, <laughs> I think I've gotten a little bit better from uh, the seventh grade. However, that was a, a rule that we had. <laughs> wow. Well, we should be thankful for her though. And her extra push for you to love oh, geography. We should. And I still, the only thing that I've saved from uh, those those years, well, and I should say my mom has saved, oh, wow. is I still have a copy of my seventh grade workbooks. Oh, um, wow. My first maps that I ever drew. Um, and I tell you all about mining and oh, uh, agriculture distribution in Uganda. Really and they're cool. all color coded very wow. nightly and labeled very neatly. Very cool artifact. Because I redid them multiple times. So what about what's next? You told us seventh grade. What about next? Yeah, so that that's really kind of simple. Is um, It's really about staying true. Um, and it, it, there's really not a, well, what's next? I mean, well, what's next tomorrow is I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do my job and I'm going to build community um, but really, it, it stays at the ethos of who I am, which is uh, building community, making connections to folks with um, information, with geography, with uh, data, with technology. So making those question, uh, connections. It's about asking questions. Um, like, where are there gaps? Why don't we understand this? Should we understand this? Um, it's finding those answers. Um, like what's important, like why, why should we care about these things right now, specifically with Africa? Um, and that's a whole nother follow on podcast. So here's my pitch to let me come back. Um, and then, and then certainly for me, there's definitely a lot of exploration to happen, 
um, a lot of stories to tell all of all of those things that I think are are at the ethos of of staying true um, and uh, keeping keeping up with uh, what's happening in the world of human geography in the world of geography uh, being an advocate for that uh, connecting people uh, where they need to be connected um, learning myself so I can keep growing and yeah I think hoping that the, the WWHGD has a 20-year reunion um, and, and that we could celebrate the 11th year reunion in Stuttgart, Germany <laughs> or in London. I won't com- complain as long as it's within one time zone of where I live. <laughs> well, that sounds great. We'd love to join you. And we're so happy that you were with us um, in the studio today, Liz. High fives to all of you all. Please join us next week for another conversation on human geography and human security on Through the Human Geography Lens. If you're interested in learning more about human geography and the WWHGD, check us out at www.hgd.org, where you can find more than 5,000 cataloged human geography data sets and access presentations and recordings from more than 50 data-driven events. I'm Terry Ryan. And I'm Gwyneth Holt. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. We really appreciate your support. If you enjoy this show, please take a moment to leave us a review and rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. And we hope you'll share the podcast with your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening.